We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sandra Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs Show, XZBN Radio, coming out of Toronto, Canada. Um, amazing how the weeks go by. Another Wednesday, another broadcast. I think this is broadcast number 14 on the Ask Dr. Gibbs Radio Show. Uh, as I have indicated, the aim of my show springs out of what I do for a living. I am a psychoanalyst in New York City with decades of experience, both personal and professional. I have been a witness to a number of vexing issues which are in the public eye and are also problematic and treated relatively superficially. My aim is exploring them in depth and breadth to add a fresh perspective and uh, to offer solutions to what initially appear to be unsolvable issues. These issues include a revision of training programs for police and interested citizens aiming to effectively de-escalate actual and potential violence. Another is offering an outline to effectively prevent and treat the escalating epidemic of heroin and opioid addiction, which is um, careening daily out of control, out of increasing control. Three, to answer important questions for those people who are considering entering some form of psychotherapy. Four, to explore the phenomenon of meaningful coincidences, uh, commonly referred to as synchronicities, discussing their widespread interest 
with spreading interest and uh, the implications of uh, what's going on, where are they coming from, are they a sign of a spiritual uh, intervention, or are they man-made, what do you do with them, how can you apply them to uh, problem solving and so forth. And uh, winding up with today's uh, continuing topic, I call the truth about coping with anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress, often without the use of medication. Um, it is no secret to any of us, if you listen to any of the um, radio news or pick up the um, headlines of the local paper, that we are living in crisis-ridden times. This is a uh, polarized nation, perhaps it's a polarized world to say the least, with things bubbling every day and what is normal yesterday becomes decidedly abnormal today. Irrespective of one's politics, uh, this, is, this, this demands um, careful attention to detail, both on a personal and a uh, world level. What do we make of this? Uh, the famous line in Dickens comes to mind, this is the best and the worst of times. And if you listen to the um, speeches of our ex-president and our current president with respect to summing up their views of uh, our country and politics and the world and so forth, you get a diametrically different picture of uh, it's either the worst of times, things are bleak, falling apart in a huge crisis, or a more optimistic time that we've never had better opportunities to um, work even the most difficult problems out and with a sense of unity and common sense and a dedication to um, science and so forth, we can get in there and try to resolve even the most difficult of issues. Um, each of us will have our own take as to the truth of, that, of those claims, but ultimately we cannot escape the fact that something big is happening and we are forced to deal with it personally and professionally. Uh, that's why I think a continuation of today's topic, the truth about coping with uh, frustration, depression, stress, anxiety, and other uh, feelings such as ambiguity and not knowing and helplessness and hopelessness, you, you know, you all know what I'm talking about if you're involved with these, with the subject matter, is crucial. Um, I remember as a child, and I've said before that somehow I was, I don't know, infected or my nature was to try to get um, ultimate answers to really uh, huge big questions such of such like identity, who am I, uh, where did I come from, what am I supposed to be doing, is there a purpose, how do I know it, uh, what if I make errors, what if I'm fall short of the mark, all those kind of things. And while these kind of questions are either are usually beaten out of kids by about the eighth or ninth grade, somehow or other they deepened with me. And it's probably no mistake that I majored in philosophy when I went to uh, Columbia University. I remember picking up a seminal book called 
uh, the story of philosophy when I was 19. I've mentioned this before, but it had a huge impact on me. And I urge anybody uh, in earshot that if you're interested in these kind of questions, uh, pick that book up and just read it for, don't study it, just read it for pleasure. And if you're like me, you will come away feeling extraordinarily thrilled and excited by the fact that 10 or 15 other human beings, happen to be men, could have been women, were speaking a language that was natural to me. We will have to take a break and we will return shortly. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a Southern Flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back to the very jazzy Ask Dr. Gibbs show. I wonder if we should just let that wonderful music play and I'll just sit back and enjoy it. No, I guess that would be a little silly, so let's carry on. 
on the bus back from buying this new paperback at age 19 called The Story of Philosophy, as I flipped through each story and read the thoughts and uh, concepts of uh, people as old as a thousand years ago, starting with Socrates and then Plato and Aristotle and Spinoza and bringing it up to more contemporary people like Nietzsche and so forth, I realized, I thrilled at what I was experiencing, that I was in the company of people who were talking my language, or should I better say I was in the company of people in which I talked their language. At any rate, it was uh, amazing to me that when I went home and tried to uh, share some of my enthusiasm, I got back blank stares and you know, a, a kind of derisive tone of, there he goes again. And that was probably in 11th grade, and by 12th grade, my feelings of estrangement and being understood uh, got worse at home and in school, and I felt like a captive behind enemy lines, and I longed, as many uh, teenagers do that age, to be liberated and go to the next uh, stage of my life, which was unquestionably at that time, uh, to go to college. So this Floridian um, got on a uh, plane and made an exit from what I believed was my cultural ghetto in Miami Beach, and I went to New York City and Columbia University. And indeed, for, for the first six months, I enjoyed an enormous sense of uh, optimism and enthusiasm and Everything was new, and I felt, uh, you know, being a student was going to be beneficial to me, and indeed it was. I was stimulated by the classes and so forth. Except as time wore on and the winter descended, I began to feel increasingly uh, more like I did in Miami Beach and began to realize that the geographical solution, which many people use when they get bogged down in psychological difficulties, it just doesn't work. The reason being, you bring your problems, your unresolved problems follow you no matter wherever you go. So if you start a new marriage or you have an affair or you take up some new profession and so forth, for the first six months, if you've really chosen to do it, you're probably going to be very excited by the novelty of it. And then if you've got psychological issues that hang on sooner or later, more sooner than later, you're going to be bogged down in the quicksand of unresolved problems, and you're going to feel exactly what you felt wherever you left from. At least that was my experience, and that's the experience of people who come in for consultations. As I indicated, I'm a psychoanalyst. I've been doing this for many decades, and I am aware that when people come to me, let's say a first consult where they pick up the phone, they're usually doing it because they have um, fallen into a their own personal state of crisis. We all have a need for some kind of normal. And let's call that normal our own personal balance point. In fact, our normal may be we all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Quite abnormal to onlookers who are objective, but it's normal to us. And it continues to be played out as a habit. You go to sleep, you wake up, have a routine, you go to sleep, wake up, have a routine. That's usually fairly predictable, even if it's um, sketchy or not terribly um, integrated. It will be our normal, and that will remain such until and unless there is a confrontation with other things, both internal and external, uh, let's call them stressors, that have a net effect of, uh, imagine you're riding a stallion and suddenly you're confronted by invisible forces, internal or external, and you're attacked by them and you fall off the horse. In that act of falling off or being on the ground, you're going to feel that you're in a state of abnormal, meaning your balance point has been severely interrupted and you're now in deep doo-doo. What becomes significant at that point, the stuff that happens, sooner or later, the best of us, you know, confront these forces and we say we got issues. That's not unusual. What is usual at that point is that if you're conscious and you know that you've fallen, uh, the normal reaction is, well, I've fallen, I hope I'm okay, I'm in one piece, that's good, or I broke a bone, I gotta get it fixed, or whatever, but ultimately the idea is to return back to the state of balance. So you want to try to aim to get back on the horse, which you can more or less do or not do. And then you've got a problem, you've got to resolve it. The attitude to having fallen or being stuck or now being in a state of imbalance is crucial. I indicated that in the exploration of meaningful coincidences, I think that they all, there'll be a lot of disputes on this, doesn't matter, however, from the synchronicities that I've studied in detail, both personally and professionally, they all seem to originate in the soil of what I experience as an unsolvable problem. And the attitude to that unsolvability or that stuckness is crucial. I've further indicated that if the attitude to the stuckness is positive, meaning I don't readily see a solution out there, but I'm going to dedicate myself to struggling with struggle in such a way that if there is a potential answer, I'm going to find it. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. With that attitude, I think what happens is that it stimulates what I believe is everybody's own unique creative process. And that process is like a scavenger hunt, psychological scavenger hunt, where you're searching for clues and a clue is like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And when you connect, collect enough of these clues, you put them together in the frame, and eventually they will f- form a recognizable pattern. If I'm right, that pattern is going to be experienced as a meaningful solution. 
the solution is in coded form, so you have to further interpret the solution as if, or the um, pattern, as if it were a waking dream. And when you do that, you get, you release the hidden meaning in, or the hidden message in the um, synchronicity. All right, let's say that's true. Uh, it also assumes that you have to have a positive attitude to being stuck. What if your attitude to being stuck is negative? Meaning, what if you abandon your um, uh, efforts to try to find a solution and you simply give up? You turn to drink. You uh, turn to doing whatever you want to do. You, uh, you just become a robot. You deny. You close your eyes to life. You just opt out. You become a stranger, a recluse. You do whatever you do, but you don't attend to trying to find an adequate solution. That would be a negative attitude to being stuck. The subject matter of today and subsequent sessions, subsequent broadcasts, is what I believe are the normal feelings that accompany feeling quintessentially stuck. They include anxiety, depression, stress, frustration, and a whole host of other things like ambiguity, not knowing, helplessness, hopelessness, the list goes on and on and on. In order to understand what I am describing, please use yourself as a sample of one. Is there anybody in the listening land who cannot identify with being quintessentially stuck and having feelings of anxiety, depression, and so forth accompany them. I urge you to go back into your lives and pick out those moments in your autobiography where you have felt absolutely overwhelmed, stuck in the psychological mud, so to speak, throw your hands up, pray, ask for divine intervention, call for mama, uh, fantasize some kind of helper, answer from some source, and so on. Who among us is, is unaware of those feelings? No one. Everybody has those kind of experiences. Then the question is, if you're in a personal state of crisis, you've fallen off your horse, so to speak. You're on the ground. If you can uh, talk and you can count uh, your five fingers, you know that you're not uh, impaired. You're still conscious, so you can try to use your best efforts to resolve a major issue of trying to get back into a state of relative balance. The state of being imbalanced and overwhelmed and feeling overwhelmed by being overwhelmed, being overwhelmed is being in a state of crisis. Clearly what is needed to get out of a state of crisis is effective crisis intervention, which brings us to a further exploration of this topic. There are many ways to intervene in a state of crisis. The two basic ways that have been used uh, over and over again and are most popular in terms of intervening with this state of crisis and the accompanying feelings of anxiety and, and the likes are using medication, relaxation exercises, and a form of uh, therapy called cog behavioral cognitive, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Each has its benefits. I believe, however, the issue is not work, 
not what works. They all work to some extent. The issue in crisis intervention is what method works best. And from my understanding or my experience, both personally and professionally, what tends to happen with medication and relaxation exercises and this particular form of psychotherapy is that there tends to be more of a tendency to reduce symptoms rather than to address underlying causes. My particular approach is one of the very few perspectives that goes for the identification of causes. It's based upon the idea that if you have a problem, that the best solution is to get a very clear sense of what the problem is. In other words, to the degree to which you can diagnose what's the major cause of what is causing this particular problem, then the intervention that is best is to fix the problem. So diagnosis, identification of cause is very crucial. In crisis intervention, one of the difficulties in uh, crisis intervention, or, or what, what's the best intervention, is the fact of the urgency of the press of time. When you're in a state of crisis, or you know somebody who is suffering from, let's say, debilitating panic attacks, or they're overwhelmed by uh, uh, depression and feeling low and uh, cut off from life, and it's as if they are wearing uh, uh, glasses which are dark purple, and all their feelings have to do with uh, past, present, and future, have to do with feelings of seeing reality, internal and external, through those purple glasses of which everything's going to look dark and purpley. Obviously, the best intervention would be to somehow change the purple lenses into clear lenses so they can re-experience what is more apt and probably more normal, which is to experience color. That's easy to say. The question is how best to affect that. The, um, going back to my personal experience at home and discovering the story of philosophy and realizing that I was increasingly feeling hemmed in and trapped and wanting liberation to, uh, by hope for by going to New York and uh, studying at Columbia. Uh, it will pick up on the story uh, in a few minutes. We'll have to take another break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics 
from astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Ask Dr. Gibbs show. I want to pick up on the fact that I was longing to escape what I believe was my cultural ghetto in Miami Beach and go to Columbia University, hopefully to be liberated. And as I said, I was for about six months and then doom and gloom descended. I remember in reading the philosophers that each seem to have a formula for living the good life, 
which I readily uh, identified with. I was looking for answers to these complicated questions, and it was uh, understandable that I should uh, feel resonant with each of their formulas. And they were remarkably simple, and they still stand the test of time. That, so, for example, the formula of Socrates relative to what's the good life or how do you go about doing that was a two-word formula. And the formula is to know thyself. Plato comes along and extends the uh, idea of uh, knowing thyself and particularizes a little bit in his relatively simple, simply stated formula that the good life means that you have to have a sound mind in a sound body. That seems simple enough. And then the next philosopher that extended this idea was Aristotle, who talked about the idea of having one find their own personal balance point, and the balance was between mind, spirit, and body, and so on. And additional philosophers, in a way, pick up where others leave off, and they extend it with a particular set of details. I tried to apply all this stuff. This, this made sense, particularly know thyself. I was going to Columbia University majoring in philosophy, and I wanted to soak up knowledge, and I was pleased to be there, and I attended school, and I read all the books. And then in my first week of philosophy class, I was instructed to read Plato's Republic. And after reading Plato's Republic in a week, fairly daunting assignment, I came away absolutely thrilled, convinced I had finally found the answer to my existence, the meaning of life, my purpose. Just read Plato, drink them all down, figure out what he's talking about, and apply it, and that's the, the end of my quest. I have found the truth. That lasted as long as it took me to finish, for the next week, Aristotle's ethics. And after reading Aristotle, I was convinced, wait a minute, Plato had it, but so does Aristotle. And Aristotle deals with the same material as Plato, but he approaches it from a radically different point of view, and he's got it. He's, he's right. And then that lasted until the next week when I read Spinoza's Ethics and was really jarred because I had exactly the same reaction with him. He and, and um, Plato and Aristotle were all dealing with the same issue of who is man, what, is, what do we do in life, what's our identity, what's our purpose, how do you know it, how do you sustain it, what's the good life. They're all dealing with the same material, but in fresh perspectives, different concepts. And when I applied each of their concepts to my own personal experience and initially felt a burst of enormous excitement, I have finally found the truth, or at least I found Plato's truth, and then Aristotle's truth, and Spinoza's truth, and what about Gibbs's truth, and then a very curious thing began to occur, which I think is not unique to my own experience. What occurred was, I got bogged down in trying to figure out whose truth is the better truth. I didn't necessarily have to ask that, but that's the way my mind worked in those days, and I felt like... Somebody's got to have a, a, a more capital T truth than somebody else. 
And eventually, along with my other experiences in terms of other subject matter and trying to go out and have a good time and feeling increasingly uh, under the gun and, and, and personal pressures and uh, these old feelings descending from what I felt in high school. And I, even though I'm in New York City, I'm beginning to feel as if I'm back in Miami and what's going on here. And I was increasingly more confused. And I think it, all of it conspired in my sophomore year to have what I believe really was my own personal form of breakdown in which I was suffering from a problem which I think is uh, endemic to uh, many people these days, which I would call psychological overload. It's like too much to know, too many choices. And if you select this, how do you know you're not making a mistake? It's like, and it translates into uh, dating. If I, I love this woman, I'm very attracted to her. But couldn't I do better? What if I, you know, if I put all my eggs in one basket, then I'm denying myself other baskets. And maybe they're better, but maybe they're not. And that applied to what am I going to major in? And that applied to what am I going to be? And my feeling that I had to have some kind of answer to all of it instantly, which seemed to defy my experience. I couldn't do it. And the more I tried to be certain about what I was doing, the more uncertain I became. And with it came to me, which I did not know at the time, was a feeling of increasing stuckness expressed as being in negative inertia. I felt as if I was a spinning top, revolving uh, fast, going nowhere. And it was as if I were being stuck in psychological quicksand, and I was going round and round and round and round like a dog chasing its tail. And really what I was doing was experiencing an increasing amount of panic anxiety, which left me feeling hopeless and helpless, which were feelings of depression. And then I experienced the whole thing as this should not be, but it is. And I shouldn't, and I've got to find a way out of this morass, a morass that I don't even know what it was. So I was beginning to feel frustrated, and it's normal to feel angry, feeling frustrated. And I turned it in, and I began to feel more anxious and depressed and hopeless. And the whole thing led me to feel as if I were indeed getting to be more and more stressed out. I didn't have the vocabulary I'm giving. It was just a bunch of feelings in, that ultimately made me feel as if I were increasingly stuck. And being stuck, I had a shovel in this psychological mess that I was in, and my way out was to dig uh, deeper, hoping that I would hit bottom, when indeed all I was doing was getting myself more deeply entrenched in feeling psychologically stuck. It was at this point where I had a major panic attack one day in school, where I was, uh, I think I mentioned this, just to go over it again, where I was looking through my dorm window onto an open window onto Amsterdam Avenue, just observing the scene below, and aware that my vision was blurry as if there was a pane of glass between me and what I observed, only to be shocked into the realization that there was no pane of glass. It was my feeling of blurriness, and it scared the hell out of me what it is technically is called dissociation, in which there was a confusion between what was real and what was unreal. And I knew what was most real was that I had a blurry uh, uh, overlap between reality and uh, irreality. So things seemed surreal. I called a therapist on recommendation of my best friend who said, I think you should explore psychotherapy. 
And uh, unlike my present attitude, I thought that being in therapy meant call a therapist and if you get a halfway decent uh, association, start therapy, which I did four times, uh, four years, twice a week. And I would dutifully go in and present long dreams and he would analyze them and I would be at the foot of the guru making brilliant connections without really asking me what my connections were. And then I would go back to my dorm room and uh, take out a journal that uh, began, uh, lasted for 39 years. But in those times, I would interpret my own dreams. And there was a gulf or a gap between his interpretations and my interpretations. And this is essentially how I experienced my four-year inaugural experience with psychotherapy. What I learned is you're not in therapy by going to see a therapist and who's, uh, you know, charges for his uh, efforts and you pay and you go and you listen and you do. That's not being in therapy. Being in therapy is picking a person who is uh, understanding and knows more than you and can form a team in which you work together in a collaboration and you identify the major issues of the day, and you explore them, and he or she gives you psychological concepts, which have the effect of being like psychological tools, and outside the therapy sessions, you apply what you've learned consciously and unconsciously, and if the concepts work, you will find yourself increasingly able to have what Plato would call, or Socrates would call, knowledge of yourself. Going back to their formulas, Let's take the simple formula of know thyself. I dutifully went to therapy sessions with the idea of gaining knowledge of myself. The difficulty I discovered, and I think many people eventually come to this point, is that when you break down the words into what they concretely mean, knowledge of self, it raises more questions and provides easy answers. So, for example, if I ask each of you, where is your self? Do you have a self? Where is your self located? How do you know that it is yourself? What if you have no self? What would you be experiencing? And then, of course, what complicates that question, who or what is yourself? Then the question is, what constitutes self-knowledge? What is knowledge? How do you gain self-knowledge? And so forth. And, and asking these questions and being confused as to what the answers were was increasingly my experience. And I began to become increasingly more confused. So that the weekly or two sessions that I had with the hope of giving myself self-knowledge ultimately repeated the worst of my experience at home. And I eventually left that experience feeling as if nothing of really great importance was gained. And that discouraged me. I began to feel as if maybe I'm not very good at this psychoanalytic thing, or maybe I'm from Mars, or maybe I'm, uh, I have some rare uh, disease that nobody has caught up with, and uh, maybe I was unhelpable. That lasted until another two-year experience with another therapist, and I had essentially the same experience until I read Freud and Freud's words resonated with me and I realized instantly I needed to go into psychoanalysis, which I did. And I eventually had an 11 year, three times a week experience in which I believe me and my therapist 
were able to really identify what, what at the core was bothering me, of which the opening phases were putting, giving me a language to be able to identify the fact that I was mainly suffering from a lack of a solid sense of self characterized by me being overwhelmed with feelings of anxiety, depression, stress, frustration, and the other uh, list of uh, experiences that I've mentioned before. It was during my fifth session that I had a major panic attack, which turned out to be extremely important to me. See if you can identify with this. I would come in with the material, usually a dream. I would talk. He would listen. He would say, what do you think? And so forth. And somehow, some question ignited me feeling, apropos of nothing, this very shaky feeling. I started to sweat. I felt very small. I felt I was under attack, that suddenly the universe became a huge, big uh, problem that I identified with Chicken Little, in which I was going to be, uh, I don't know, somehow obliterated by uh, forces seen and unseen, um, shaking like a leaf. And he looks at me and says, you, you turned yellow, what, you turned white, what, what, what's going on? And I described what it was and I said, what is this? He said, I'll This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com.
Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program, for the secret to everything is for you, the listener, for those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to the final segment of Ask Dr. Gibbs Show. I indicated that uh, I tried to apply the formulas that I had learned, and that was to no avail, eventuating in a major panic attack in my analyst's office. He finally put words to it that made sense to me. He further explained that my negative attitude to those, that feeling, in addition to depression and frustration and stress, being essentially negative, that the key to success for me and others would be to switch or to shift my negative attitude to one that is positive. He further indicated that in his numerous years as a therapist, he never lost a patient to an anxiety attack, which reassured me. He further indicated that it has a beginning, a middle, and an end that all anxiety attacks are, are created by what is referred to as a stressor in which uh, there is a felt sense of being thrown off a horse and you're feeling imbalanced and you need to get back on the horse and that what it is essentially is that a shot of adrenaline is being shot into the nervous system and it's being released by the forebrain of myself and that it occurs when there is a perception of a real or imagined danger to the integrity of the self so that the adrenaline, which is sort of sugar, prepares the system for fight or flight. So indeed, in, uh, rather than being a negative experience, it's, it's an early warning signal, much like a broadcast of an uh, alarm bell 
in uh, the Keys, indicating that there's a major hurricane that's 300 miles away from land, so you better take uh, board up and either get away or make sure you're in a safe place so you won't be killed. Similarly, that's what the effect of anxiety is. So you can see, if you take that seriously, the drug companies want you to believe that you're experiencing a chemical imbalance and that there's no need to have to experience the pain and the alarm and the fright so that if you pop their pill, you will have a masking over of the feelings of adrenaline, the nervousness, which gives you a sense, a temporary sense of, uh, of uh, elimination of, of your dread by denial. But the truth of it is you should be, you should be worried. If there is a real danger bearing down, you better protect yourself or you're going to get wiped out. So you get, you get the point. In any event, I experienced that my analyst was making good sense and had never really, I hadn't understood that point of view. And that led to the realization that in really effective therapy, what you're utilizing the therapist for is often a shift in perspective that the person can offer you some perspective about what is ailing you that contrasts with what you think is going on and usually gives you a better perspective so that you can really utilize it in a way that is much more effective. That led me, I guess, to my increased interest in crisis and crisis intervention. Uh, it's no mistake that as an analyst, that's what I majored in. I worked with drug addicts uh, at Odyssey House. Uh, in 1969, which was on the front lines of working with addiction, which we will start to apply in subsequent weeks when we start to get into what I believe is effective treatment of uh, opioid and heroin addiction and so on. The, uh, I had subsequent encounters with these negative feelings, but the thing that I came away with ex experiencing is that the attitude to the stuckness is most crucial. And I began to realize that both with myself and my patients, that when asked, what is your attitude to anxiety, depression, frustration, stress, inevitably, I would get a very simple, heartfelt answer, which is, when I get anxious, my attitude is more anxiety. When I'm depressed, it depresses me. When I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated because I'm frustrated. And when I'm stressed, I'm stressed that I'm stressed, and so on. And if nothing intervenes with that circular moment, that circular um, dynamic, then all you're doing is going round and round in circles, going nowhere like a dog chasing its tail. So that, I believe, effective intervention means that you have a way of breaking the circle. And the best way to start breaking the circle is to indicate to yourself or others that you are in a circle and that in order to get out of the circle, you have to change your negative attitude from uh, about each of these uh, painful affects from negative to positive. I wrote, if you will turn to Amazon, I wrote in collaboration with my brother a manual called Attitude Shifting. So if you look up Gibbs Williams and you plug in Attitude Shifting, you will see outlined a primer for all first responders 
and or interested people who want to be able to effectively deal with these negative affects without the use of medication. It's power packed. I think it's a really great book, not just because I read it or I wrote it or we wrote it, but because it really works and it addresses causes rather than just linger on symptom reduction. It has a series of exercises which, if used, produce almost miraculous results. And I'm using the word miraculous advisedly. It was during uh, the end of that first session when I had a panic attack where Wittenberg, my analyst, said, I'd like you to try the following. And he gave me uh, instructions that when I began to feel panicky, to go into a room and uh, take a stopwatch and tell myself to see how long I could just simply endure, tolerate the negative feelings of anxiety. Not deal with what's making me anxious, but deal with the phenomenological experience of anxiety, how it felt. I did it. For the first time, I, I went 30 seconds, and I said, no more of this. He said, do the experience, do the experiment two more times. The second time, I strengthened, I lasted three minutes. The third time, I lasted five minutes. I did it consecutively, that exercise, that really simple exercise for uh, two weeks. At the end of the two-week period, I had made an amazing discovery that with effort of will, that if I could simply allow myself to tough out the pain, just let it be that I could finally feel that I was underneath the material and it was like confronting a bully in the street, even though I was afraid that I would succumb, that if I could stand up to him, look him straight in the eye, as if to say, I'm not afraid of you and uh, I'm not giving up. Uh, one of us is going to be the winner and it's going to be me. If you do that, with tolerating these feelings of negativity, you begin to have a sense of mastery. Once you have a sense of mastery, you're home free, and you begin to get a sense that you can put up with anything if you so-called will it to be. In uh, Next week, we will have time off, uh, and I want to finish uh, giving you more examples of uh, how to do these exercises and we will begin to shift into the practical application of what I've been talking about by shifting to a new topic of, of what I believe is an effective outline for, uh, or an outline for effectively uh, coming to terms with dealing with the scourge of opioid and heroin addiction that's sweeping the country. It'll largely be a practical application of what we've already been talking about. I f would like to make a plea for anybody who's interested in this subject that you know somebody or you have uh, direct intimate uh, connections with and you want to be a guest on my show, please go to uh, Facebook, look for the uh, URL on, or look for my page on Ask Dr. Gibbs. Uh, tell me that you're interested in being a guest on the show. I would very much like to have you. I think the interaction would be really uh, positive. Um, I can't stress enough how important I think this issue is. So if you are all interested and you know people who are suffering from these uh, negative affects, if you will invite them to listen to my programs, uh, I would appreciate it. I, will, I am aware that the programs 
are need to have expanded titles, and I plan to do that so that um, uh, the reader uh, or the potential listener can have a sense as to what uh, the show is going to be about. I appreciate your uh, participation. Uh, I welcome your comments, good, bad, and different, and I look forward to uh, more stimulating times ahead. Uh, I'm particularly excited about the, the idea that if you, anybody's interested in uh, becoming uh, a patient in therapy, I'd be very much interested in knowing what your uh, experiences have been up to date, probably failed, and what you think you need and what questions you have and what questions um, I can possibly answer. Um, with that, I wish you a uh, fine break for the next couple of weeks and that we will resume uh, uh, at that point. Uh, again, I welcome your comments, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, and hope that um, you all have a uh, salutary uh, week off and that um, I look forward to uh, resuming. Wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.